Hey, 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 everyone. We are back for, for another episode of the Text Lab podcast. Jake is trying on some Texas flavor with a little howdy earlier. Jake, <laughs> what is the furthest east you have ever traveled? I think it was with you, right? When where where did we go? Kansas City. Kansas City. That's literally dude, there the you east, go. yeah. That's the furthest. Yeah, I was on that trip. That was a fun trip, man. Although uh, I shared a room with Crawl, and at the time oh, he was man. not feeling <laughs> great. So I was oh, like, no. I was like praying that I would not get sick, which I avoided, thankfully. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a lot of fun. Yeah, dude, was... remember we got back or we landed the plane there. And then we didn't have a car that was big enough to fit us, so we had six people in this tiny little electric car. Bro, shout out to my boy Tyler Sikora. Come on, <laughs> who hooked us up because we had no car, and Dude, it was like I have never been that close to Drew, man. Uh, never. <laughs> and that probably was the best moment of your life. No, lest you think, lest you think, this is a reminiscing podcast. This is the Text Lab for our listeners who do not know where every single week we do a deep dive into the text to help you prepare for your own personal study or life group this week. Our goal is simple, to help you be a disciple who makes disciples. So whether you're leading a life group or just doing some deep dive on your own, we hope the text lab helps you have meaningful study, reflection, and conversation about what God has said in this word. And this week, we're in Romans 5, 6 through 11. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. What a text. Mm -hmm. Again, we worked so hard to get through Romans 1 through 4. Dude, I know. And now we're at like... We're at such a beautiful portion of the text. So, Jake, when you think about this, what do you think about what stands out on first glance? Yeah, on first glance, uh, I'm just seeing the relationship between the father and his son, man. Uh, and behind the text is the spirit working there. Um, I think it's important also to just dive in on who God is in his trini Trinitarian, in his um, three persons, one person, God. Uh I love looking at how the father's love, his ever giving uh, fountain of love is seen here. We look at Genesis and like he is a God who creates, but he didn't stop creating uh, when he created the world. He is constantly creating faith in us. He's creating um, life in us. And here we see this because of what Christ has done. He is continuing uh, to create and to give. Um, and this relationship between him and the, the son is so cool because it's, it's, it's this eternal joy in each other, this eternal love back and forth that God actually chose to define himself as a father. Like if we think about that for a second, how good is it that the earthly fathers we have does not define this, but that God himself um, has defined himself as someone who is giving in love who is someone who takes care of another, someone who um, 
reaches out and, and leaves maybe his comfort for someone else when we think about fatherhood. Um, and then we see the son, uh, all of creation given um, to him, by him, through him, all created throughout all these things. His inheritance is this creation. And then we're now receiving this inheritance, which is where Romans is going. And then the spirit active here, um, which is giving us this piece of God that we talked about last week, which is giving us this access to him. And the spirit really is this um, part of the Trinity, this person in the Trinity that is the life-giving um, force, I guess, or essence. Um, when, like in the Old Testament, when they're receiving the hand of the Lord or, or the spirit of the Lord is upon them, there's life happening there. There's something happening in that person, uh, something being created that was not there before. God is creating something in someone that was not there before. And that is the same as faith. That is the same as righteousness. We did not have righteousness. We had um, enmity with God, but he created a way for us to have righteousness. And I love just seeing God as this creator in, in the three parts of who he is. He is a creator and he is a father and he's full of love, abounding, and so, so good. So, Will, I don't know, what do you think as we move forward into this reconciliation language, into enmity, into all of this? What are you seeing? Well, dude, I love what you just said on so many different levels. Um, Just thinking about God, thinking about the Trinity and how each person is not each other. They're distinct persons, yet they are one God. And... Uh, and dude, I love what you said about how they're, um, they're creating something out of nothing. This like Latin term is ex nihilo, right? Which is that exact thing of like creating something out of nothing. And so as God formed creation, ex nihilo, something out of nothing, he's also doing that for how he works in our lives. He's creating death and making it into life which is so counterintuitive to like how we think about the movement from like life into death. We don't think about death into life, which is like, which is this paradox again, paradoxical language is throughout here where it's saying, Nope, what, what we see the father doing is he's saying, you think that you're going from life into death, but really I'm making death into life. And so when I think about that, it brings me a lot of joy. Um, But also like I I look at, uh, because I'm a big nerd as we talked about last week. Um, But I also think about uh, enemies of God and just thinking like through any of your like pop culture movies, like there's this idea of justice that's like super popular, right? So I I was joking last night with somebody at like life group who have like this crazy son Mm -hmm. and, uh, this is, I don't know if I should probably share this. I'll share it anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> they had to take away Nerf guns yep. um, because they were going full boondock saints on oh, <laughs> Nerf no. guns, okay? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like the way that they were handling it, okay? But here's the thing about that is it's this idea of like justice being served mm. in those specific situations. And like, look, when you think about justice versus six and seven for while we were still weak yeah. at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though, perhaps for a good person, one would dare to die. Like thinking about that, right? Like no one is specifically like in the pop culture movies that we're like looking at or tracing at. No one's like, yeah, they're like the worst. 
I'm gonna go ahead and just like die for that. Never. Like I no one that wouldn't sell, man. No, I exactly. Watch that movie. It doesn't sell. It's like it's not as cool as like justice being served. But the beauty of this is that Jesus is the one who both is the one who fully is the justifier. Mm. He's the one who makes us right. As we talked about last week, as we talked about justification. And then he's also the one who um, takes the punishment for us. As I think about that, I'm just like, Oh man, this is such a counterintuitive way of thinking about Jesus's reconciling work for us. And even think about us as enemies of God. Yeah. Um, and it leads straight into this idea of reconciliation, which is just this big Christian word. But to break it down, man, it is restoring the relationship that God intended. Uh, I love looking at um, Genesis and, and Eden and, and how they were walking together. They were talking together. They were uh, in life together. And from Genesis up until the Gospels, God is uh, redeeming just over and over again, repeatedly redeeming and creating a way. Um, he's creating a people. Uh, he's creating um a, uh, his presence. He's creating a way for communication with him. He's creating all these things and restoring uh, us who were weak, who were enemies to him. Um, we do not deserve this relationship with him. And, and God, out of his great love, is now coming and saying, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fulfill the covenant that I made with Abraham. I'm going to die in the place of these people who, who do not deserve this. But it's, um, it is revealing of my glory and my joy and... Um, deserves worship. Um, man, it's so good to think about reconciliation because he's talking about here in, in 10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And this leads to rejoicing and this leads to um, having this relationship with him. Uh, it's always, I don't know, I was talking in, in life group on, on Tuesday with our young adults just about our pasts and kind of not reminiscing but thinking about where we've been and what we what our lives were like and what they'd be like today if we hadn't um, been reconciled by Christ by by God um, and it was a lot of laughter because it's just funny to see like how naive we were and the <laughs> yeah. stupid things we did to try and get attention or whatever um, but also it was we were understanding more the depth of our depravity there and how desperate and dependent we truly were that God would come in and, and save us there. And, and even past the cross, past salvation, there's still redemption happening. There's Because we are saints who struggle with sin. Yeah. And so there's still redemption occurring um, in each of our lives. And it's so good that God is defined by that characteristic, right? That he is a redeemer, that he says he is a redeemer, a savior, um, it's really good. And what does that lead us to, Will? Dude, and I love that because because here's the thing. Like Keller has this great quote and he says, the gospel, like Jesus dying on the cross was not plan B. Mm. Jesus dying on the cross was plan A through Z. It was like, it was the whole plan from the beginning. Like the whole plan was God's, this entire like reconciliation act that was going to take place for his people. Like, because here's the reality of like, we love sin. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, naturally, our hearts love sin. Calvin's quote, right? Famous. The human heart is a factory of idols. Like, thinking like we love sin. We want to constantly, like, churn out and churn out and churn out things that, like, we replace, Romans 1, the 
creature for the creator, right? And it's like, okay, yeah, but this is why reconciliation is so unbelievable. Because when we truly have a right idea of reconciliation and what Christ has done for us, we think about being enemies of God. When we think about, like, I don't deserve this because I love my sin, like, that leads us to rejoicing. Because it truly is joy that is far greater than anything that the world has to offer. Because the reality is, is even when we chase those little, like, joys that we think will fulfill us, that could be good things that we just want to make the idol of, we realize at the end of the day, that is going to leave us empty. We look back and we're like, oh man, I totally missed the book yeah, on that, dude. right? In so many ways. In so <laughs> many ways. But but that's God's grace to us is that, oh no, he just, he woos us back into his presence. It's not, that's like what I love too. It's not this like heavy... I, this text is incredible, especially thinking back to last week. You yeah. think about like God as the judge, but God as the reconciler is not a heavy handed, harsh judge. Mm. He's a loving, compassionate God who in the reconciliation woos us back to him where it's this, nope, that's not going to fulfill you. Come to me, like yeah. come to me where you'll find living water for the rest of your life. Come to me in a dry and weary land where there is no water, like come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Like this is the beauty of the wooing factor of reconciliation Mm -hmm. is that when we're able to step into that space and drink from the goodness of the grace of God, it leads us to rejoicing because we're like, we finally found it. I think of the parables in Matthew and I'm like, yeah, that makes so much sense of like selling the field, selling everything you have to buy the field that has the treasure in it. Right. Like that's when we think about reconciliation leading to rejoicing, it's like, he's not upset that he's selling everything. He's like, no, I am specifically doing this because this is far greater than anything else I could ask for. And that's the beauty of this text and the beauty of reconciliation that we have now received through Jesus Christ, that it restores this relationship that God intended that we messed up through our own love of sin. So Jake, what's some application that you think about coming out of this text? Application for this, looking at reconciliation is for me the forgiveness of, um, or not not necessarily the forgiveness. That's that I I'm not, I don't have much of an issue with that. More of the reconciliation and leaning in with other relationships. Like God has forgiven me, so I got to forgive others. Like that doctrine right there of just understanding. Okay, I need to kind of just swallow my pride, man, mm. and like lean in because if I see the depravity of myself, if I see the sin of how sucky Jake is, um, like presently. Um, while still being this somehow a saint and um, mm. God seeing me as Jesus sees me, like it is almost unimaginable and unbelievable from what you were saying earlier that we would receive this reconciliation. If that is the case, there's nothing that I can't um, reconcile with. There's no person I can't reconcile with. There's no forgiveness that I can't give. But also seeing that as a result of the gospel, right? Like I actually don't have the power within me to forgive or to reconcile, but that's actually God showing up in me as I interact with his people. I love that so much because it's, we have been reconciled to be ministers of reconciliation. Mm, Yeah. Like that is such powerful 
word. And I, and I don't know who says it originally, but there's this quote that goes around. It's like, man, all we're doing is like we're a beggar who's found food. Yeah. And we're showing other beggars where to find food. Mm. That is this R3 true relationship with others of like, man, we don't use these like this language for anything to look at us sort of yeah. language. This language is we're getting from the text. We have been reconciled to be ministers of reconciliation. Like, that's what I love thinking about what Paul's expressing here. And, and what this does is like, this leads to joy in our life and that joy overflows. And so that when things do happen, yeah. people come to us who don't love Jesus and they're like, okay, what's so different about you? Yeah. Not that we're asking questions that people aren't asking, but we're going to live our lives in such a way that they ask the questions. Like, that's so key, right? Of like... Yes, we want to make sure that that we are around our friends who do not love Jesus. And, dude, I, I think of a text message that I got a few weeks ago of a buddy of mine who's been coming to VG who I, he doesn't love Jesus. Yeah. But he's like, man, I don't, I don't know how to say this without saying there's something about vintage and coming to vintage that, like, lets me leave happier and feeling like my there's something going on in my life mm. and i'm like that's the gospel that's starting to work into woo in his life to call him and so as we like have those not that coming to vintage is the end all be all as like a relationship data point of like how can i just continue to pour out my life to love um dudes like this in our community what does it look like to really love the least of these in our community because it's like, it's not always about who the coolest person is in the room, but oftentimes the gospel is made up for people who, who are on the outskirts of society. We see that throughout the gospels. So for me, it's just this reminder of like realizing the depth of my depravity, realizing the love and how God is restoring this relationship with me that he intended and how part of like what takes place is he's going to use us. Part of that restoring is he's going to use us to restore relationships with him, with other people. And I just think about that and I'm like, yes, I love it. So how do I just go be the living proof of our loving God this week? So big shout out to Zach Surface who helps edit and helps shape the podcast. And we just want to say, man, whether you are working out at the gym, cleaning the house or mowing the lawn, driving in the car or whatever you like to do while you're listening to podcasts, we hope that you feel equipped, encouraged and ready to walk through the text with your group or on your own this week. Yeah. And as always, do your own prep. Let the spirit lead you and know that you are one who is sent by God this week to your family, your school, your work, your coffee shop, to the gym, and to soccer practice. Wherever your Pray Watch community might be, and wherever God invites you to go, where you are sent to be the living proof of our loving God. We love you all, and we'll catch you next time on The Text Lab.